This is Coach Lou Holtz, and you're listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast with Dr. Amber Selke, from the locker room to the boardroom. Dr. Amber is the best in the business at helping you and your team build the mindset that drive results. So lock in. If you can take just one thing away from today and implement it into your life, I know you'll be a better person and a better leader, coach, athlete, parent, or spouse because of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking, where we are in season nine entitled The Power of a Word. Today, I am so excited, thrilled to introduce you to one of my dear friends and colleagues, Dr. Brian Thompson. Dr. Thompson, welcome to the show. Uh, It's great to be here. Thank you. You know what's really cool right now? We are not just Zooming and Skyping because we live several states away. We are actually recording this live in the flesh together. Here we are. Here we are. Because Brian actually came up from Missouri to join me in some work that we're doing with South Bend Community Schools. So South Bend Community Schools has recently committed to becoming a positive coaching school. And so Dr. Thompson and I actually intersected, what man, it's been like eight years now, right? I think so. I think so. Um, during, During my time at the University of Missouri under Dr. Rick McGuire, where I was doing my PhD in sports psychology. My GA position was with the Missouri Institute for Positive Coaching. And Dr. Thompson here, he's the assistant superintendent for Moberly School District in Moberly, Missouri. But at the time, he was the superintendent for North Callaway High School. And he fell in love with positive coaching. Brian, tell us a little bit about why positive coaching really struck you as a superintendent, as a senior leader of your school. Why, when you heard the message of positive coaching and seeing it as a system and a framework for coaching that you were like, man, we need this in my school. You know, when I first heard about the program and saw the program, we were doing all kinds of things for, you know, instruction, whether that was curriculum instruction for academics or whether it was the X's and O's for athletics, but there wasn't much out there for about helping the kid, teaching the kid, coaching the kid. Uh, And positive coaching is geared toward coaching the student themselves, coaching the athlete themselves. And for me, it just resonated that this is exactly what we need in today's society is is we got to work on these kids from from all aspects. It's it's the total education of not just them academically or athletically, but them as a person. And positive coaching philosophy deals with essentially – raising good kids, making good people, developing good character. And for me, that was one of the most important things that we can do for these kids is to give them the ability and, and the opportunity to be successful. I love that. If, if you're interested in learning more about positive coaching, there's an episode I did on the podcast. Man, I don't even remember what season it was with Dr. Rick McGuire, the founder and creative of positive coaching. But positive coaching is really just a system, right, of what, what does it take to deliver high performance from an athletic right, or a competition right. standpoint, but also doing it in a way that when in the lives of the kids that are a part of it. Exactly. And so um, we, I have an interview with Dr. McGuire somewhere back in the archives on the podcast. I'd encourage you to check out. Dr. Thompson was here again doing a workshop with South Bend School athletic directors, principals, and coaches across the district uh, that is being spearheaded by, by Milt Lee, an amazing leader in our local community here in South Bend, who is really going to drive that, you know, and, and be that point person and, and cheerleader and supporter to help support the coaches. And it was pretty cool just hearing some of those coaches reflect 
reflect on the opportunity that they feel like positive coaching can bring to, again, not just win in the field, which is fine, but win in the lives of these kids. It was a great group today we, we met with. Those 30-plus those coaches were so attentive, and, and it was really evident they cared about kids. So I think South Bend's got a great start to the initiative with, with positive coaching with the group that we had and, and led by Milt. I love that, Brian. So without further ado, again, we're talking about the power of a word here. And words, again, uh, repeated words, thoughts that we have, and then words that we, we communicate and say out loud, they have power. And so this whole season has been about getting words and insights from different people and professionals in all different domains that they believe have not only contributed to their own success, but if we can just tap into that power of the word in individual lives and teams and organizations, man, something great can happen. And so I can't, I can't wait. I already know what your word is. And so I can't stand it any longer. What is the word that really you believe has untapped potential in the hearts and minds of individuals around the globe? You know, when you, we started talking about this and you said, what's, what's your word? I instantaneously knew what it was. Uh, the one word that I've focused on for the last probably five to six years is the word believe. And for me, uh, if we can get people to believe in themselves and us to believe in ourselves, the, the, the possibilities are endless. I love that. And I think that, um, and I'm going to be honest with you, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to share with our listeners here. The first time Brian brings this to me six years ago on, Hey, you know, all this work that we're doing, all this stuff we're doing in mental toughness, I think we're missing an element. We're missing this element of belief. Like, do you really believe in yourself? And I was like, all right, settle down, Brian. Like, are we going to put a little <laughs> happy go lucky poster on the wall and say, just believe in yourself. And I, I gave you pushback you and did. I, you I need to publicly say, say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, you were right. The more I've been in this work and come alongside of kids and athletes and seem teens and organizations, you are spot on. And there is, there is a lack of belief in individual hearts and minds, little kids all the way to adults, that they actually have the potential or the power to do good or to be good. And so again, before we just brush this off of, oh, this is gonna be a fluffy little conversation around believing in myself, share with our listeners when it struck you how how important this concept of belief really is. So we had been doing the positive coaching approach with kids and 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 doing every step we need to do. And, and, we, and at the high school level, we were missing kids. We, we had taught them all the program. We had gone through the steps. We had you know, told them what they need to do to be successful, and we kept missing kids. And so I was sitting in our dining room. I can remember the day we, we did it. My daughter and I were sitting there talking, and she was a softball player. And I kept telling her, I said, Harper is her name. I said, Harper, you know, they're – you got an opportunity to go out there and get better. Why don't you go hit some balls or why don't you go work out? And she's like, oh, you know, I, I did something for the day. I want to do something else. And I, and I couldn't understand why she wasn't being intrinsically motivated to, to be the best she could be. And ultimately it came down to the fact that she didn't believe that she could be a great softball player. And I thought, man, this is where we're missing kids. We're teaching them, hey, if you want to be great in, in academics, whether it's math or choir or or sports, here's all the steps to it. But we weren't getting them because the key, these kids weren't believing that they could truly be great at whatever they chose to be if 
they followed the steps that we were teaching them. So, you know, I, I saw it in my daughter. I was like, well, holy cow, she doesn't believe that she can be great. And we went back and started talking to our kids, our athletes. We started asking them questions and, and giving them surveys and find, trying to find out the root of why we weren't getting to them. And ultimately what we found out was that the majority of them didn't truly believe that they could be great. That is so powerful. Um, again, I and, and the work that I've been doing with athletes at, at Notre Dame, you know, you see that a lot, and you see like, man, how can you not believe, you know? And I'm even saying about football players, but like you, some of your high school athletes, they're like, what? How do you? What do you mean you can't believe? Look, you're six foot nine. Exactly. You've got yes. great hands. Yes. You're fast. How do you not believe you can do this? And it blows your mind, but. Man, our kids are missing that element. So, Brian, how did you how did you attack that? How did you go after it? And could you actually see change in kids? Well, the first thing I started doing was, it was starting to dive into the research and find out how do we instill belief in people. Well, it's called self-efficacy, and, it, and there's there's a specific way that you can build self-efficacy in kids and adults themselves. There's four steps that you go through. So we just we we dove in and started to learn about how do we instill this belief in people, and we started to read and and even from our academic standpoint, we we talked to our kindergarten teachers and our elementary teachers about. You know, just think how powerful it would be if every student who came through the doors of our school believed they could be great at whatever they chose to be. And at that point in their life, the reality is, in my opinion, I believe every kid can. Now, it may take a lot of work for some kids, if depending on what their, their goals or their passions are, but we just started to dive into research and say, you know what, we're going to have this belief that we want to instill this belief in kids, and we're going to believe in children, and ultimately it's, it's turned it around remarkably. I have so many questions. Okay. The first question is, or I guess observation is, before you really went down this path, you had to believe that you could change kids' lives through positive coaching, through this concept of beliefs. You had to get your teachers and school bought into the fact that, you know what, we truly believe that we can transform kids' lives and we believe that we can ignite belief in kids. How, was that hard to get them bought into that? Or was it more of like an aha moment for most people? I think a lot of them was an aha moment. I mean, of course, there's some who we had outliers that we just we couldn't get to to really get to that point. But I, I think in general, most teachers believe they're they're having a, an impact on the, their kids' lives that they're with. So for me, it was more of a just focusing on it more, you know, laser focus on this is something that we really want to draw attention to and it was more of an aha moment for most of our staff. I love that. And then obviously my second question is, you said there's four steps to stimulate belief in people. I knew you were going to ask me. Put me on the spot, aren't you? <laughs> the four steps of building self-efficacy in people. Number one is if you see someone who you can relate to doing a, a task, that's one thing. So one thing we, we talked to younger kids about, if you go on the internet, let's say you want to learn how to juggle, for example. If, if you have a five-year-old who wants to learn how to juggle and you have them go look on the internet for five year olds who are juggling. They see someone who they can relate to, their age, maybe their background, and they're doing it, starts to make them believe they can do it. Second way is that if someone who is credible tells you you can do it. So this is where the coaching piece comes in. If you have someone who you you view as a credible person uh, in the realm that we're talking about, and they say, hey, you could be a great football player. And if they were a collegiate football player or a pro football player, then you're going to start to believe that. The third way previous experiences or previous successes. So one thing we talk about, in the, and let's say the juggling example, 
a kid struggling juggling, you say, well, remember when you were trying to learn how to tie your shoes? You struggled, but you you, you got through it and you kept practicing and then you learn how to do it. So that, that's another way is by drawing on their previous uh, successes. And then the fourth one is by identifying that certain emotions are going to be part of that process. When you get frustrated, that's part of the process. And, and talking to them about don't get frustrated and quit when you're trying to learn something new, but understand you're going to have these emotions as they come up and dealing with them. So those are the four the four ways that we can scientifically has been proven that we can build self-efficacy in children or adults. Man, I love that. There is so much there. We could literally do a whole podcast around each one of those Absolutely. four elements. Good. But man, if you haven't, if you didn't write that down, like go back and re-listen to those four stages. So walk us through just high level again, Dr. Thompson. What are those four? The first one. Okay, and not necessarily in this. There is there is a, an order. The first one is drawing on previous experiences. That's that's been found to be the most impactful way that we can build self belief in, in in kids or in adults. Uh, the second one is through hearing from a credible source. The third one is being able to relate someone who who is relatable to you and seeing them accomplish it. And then the fourth one is dealing with emotions. I love that. And again, I can, I'm already thinking about whether that's adults that I work with, whether that's kids that I work with, whether that's college students, student athletes, you know, those are, those are four different and yet connected elements that if we can focus on, it, it can, it can really impact belief. Did you see an impact when you started doing that in the belief of your kids in your school district? Almost immediately, we saw an impact. We, we saw an impact where kids started to change the way they worked, the, their work ethic changed. And this is in all different areas. It wasn't just in athletics. We, we saw kids who, in the fine arts, took more of an interest in, you know what, if I can believe I can do it and here's the steps to doing it, all I got to do is do the steps. So we, we saw immediate impact. And, and probably the most common thing we saw was kids were willing to work harder in whatever realm that may be, because they really believed they could do it. So they were more motivated. Really remarkable what we saw from our kids. That is incredible. I, I want to just tease these out a little bit. I don't mean to beat a dead horse. I'm sorry if y'all are listening, but this stuff gets me jacked up. And when I think about <laughs> the impact it can have um, on, on kids and therefore on family units and on teams and in schools and in organizations, you know, that first one of drawing on past experiences, I just want to highlight, like, it doesn't mean the same activity that they're doing. Draw on other past successes right, that they've right. had, right? And help them see the connection of what they experienced to what they are going through in that moment, right? And then that other of hearing from a credible source of, hey, there's something special about you in this. You know, you're you're really strong-willed. I believe that if you really channel that strong-willedness, right, that strong will in the right directions, you can have a positive impact on this world. Like imagine hearing that from somebody that that you really admire or you look up to. I also wanna throw out a caution on this one. Because as parents, as teachers, as coaches, as leaders, just like we can speak life into people through the words that we say to them, we can also undercut and Great demoralize them point. if we are that credible source in their mind and tell them they can't do something or they never, never amount to anything. So we got to be really mindful of that because just like we can build self-efficacy and belief in people in these four ways... We can also have these four ways that undermine that belief in self-efficacy. And you can do that instantaneously with one comment. And an offhanded comment at yep, that, yep. which be, is why we- sarcastic, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, one thing that, that I remember from one of the first sessions I sat in with you, Dr. Thompson, was when you said you, you eradicated sarcasm in your school. 
Yes. Tell us more about that. I think sometimes coaches and even kids, they, they show that as a sign of affection. If you really, you know, you care about somebody, you kind of razz them, you know. And, and so we had a coach many, many years ago who would razz his players. And it actually was a situation with my son where the coach was always razzed him. And, and so I went back to the coach and I said, you know, why do you, why do you razz these kids so much? He said, oh, it's because I care about them and they, and they know I care about them. And it, it's kind of the way that I show them affection. And I asked him, I said, how do you know if the kid can handle it? Oh, they can handle it. They can handle it great. But then there was a situation where my son came home and was really upset. And, and he couldn't handle that sarcasm. Coach had no idea that he was doing it. The coach cared about my son immensely. And, and, and it, again, had really great intentions. But my son was at a point maturity-wise where he couldn't handle that sarcasm. And so it really hit home with me like, wow, I see this in the hallways all the time where coaches are, are giving kids a hard time. Uh, all And it's they do they do care about them. It's, it's their way of showing affection. But you got to be super careful with that because if the kid's not mature enough, you don't know what's going on at home. You don't know how they're going to take it. It could be it could be having a negative impact on them when doing just the opposite of what you truly intend for it to do, and it could be having a negative effect on them. And here's the thing, right? Even if they're mature, the brain, the the male brain, the prefrontal cortex in a male brain, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for decision making and logic and reasoning, right, doesn't fully develop in boys until 27 years old, right? And that's the part of the brain that can logic and say, well, yeah, he said that, but at the end of the day, remember, he cares about you, he loves you. And as adults, our brain can reason that, so we think our kids can, and they can't. But here's the other thing. As an adult, sarcasm either, even, like it takes you back to childhood memories of people yes. that did that to you and can trigger that response and disconnect and, and really hurt and undermine relationships. Because most people, like you said, aren't even aware of what's happening and the negative impact it's having in the belief and the self-efficacy of individuals. And it's a habit for people. If you, if you just, it doesn't take you very long to watch a couple of people interact or talk to a few folks. This whole giving people a hard time as, as a sign of affection is, is very common. You know, so we talked about getting rid of sarcasm. Why not? give them a compliment and we talk about the power of a compliment and how one compliment can change a kid's life mm, i love that so again think about that what's your world look like what do your conversations look like i mean i on my teams like that is very important to me on my you know and my teams that i lead like we don't just jab each other and say negative stuff to build relationship like if we're gonna if we're gonna go after it it's gonna be on good stuff you know and and it makes a world of a difference in just team health the next part that we talked about is having that like credible witness, right? Like you see somebody else doing it that looks like you. And so yeah. they did an interesting study. I forget which book I read it in that looked at the most powerful influence over third graders is not sixth graders, right? The sixth graders were too big. They were too old. They were too cool. And the third graders couldn't really see themselves in the sixth graders. But what they could see themselves in were the fourth graders. And like they knew they were going to be fourth graders the next year. And so when they started, they did a mentorship where they paired the fourth graders up with the third graders. And then all of a sudden the third graders wanted to do the things the fourth graders wanted to do and act in more mature ways because their models were really the grade right above them. This is something like when we talk about d diversity and equity and inclusion, this is why this is why it's so important to have different genders at the table. This is why it's important to have different colors because then it gives somebody a look of, oh, that person looks like me yes, and look what yes. they're doing. I vividly remember 
remember sitting in Como, which is at Notre Dame, the student or the student lounge, like academic center for students. And we were upstairs in the second floor in a room in a class I was in. And there were two people that came to talk to our class and they were both doctors. They were both 30 years old. One was a male and one was a female. And I remember thinking in my mind, first of all, I didn't realize doctors could be this young. Second of all, (laughs) I've never seen a young female doctor before. And I never really knew that there were doctors outside of being medical doctors, right? I'm not from a small town in Northeastern Pennsylvania, all right? We had like, (laughs) the only doctors we had in town was the doctor I went to see, you know? And, uh, And so that was such like a moment in my own mind of like, man, maybe someday I'll get my PhD. And then I remember I had a mentor that said, Amber, you need to get your PhD. And I laughed at him. I'm like, I'm not going to school that long. But man, he planted the seed and he saw that in me. And lo and behold, like here we are. And it's so incredible. Like that's why these things are important. And we need to think about them differently so that we can unleash the power. Yeah, I was a high school principal years and years ago. And the superintendent came to me and said, I'm going to take you to a meeting. And, and I said, well, what meeting are you taking me to? It's a meeting of all the superintendents in the state. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to be a superintendent because, you know, all the things they do and, and that, I just, I, there's no way I could ever be a superintendent. So we go to the meeting. It was at the lake. I remember we went and, and I sat in the back of the room and just looked over the people in the room. And I remember thinking to myself, well, heck, I can be a superintendent. If these guys in this room can do it, I can do it. And I, it was so powerful. I, I remember that exact moment when I said, you know what? I can do this. That's awesome. Isn't it funny how both of us had those exact memories of like when it was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about when we say belief. And when you believe that you can do it, guess what you start doing? The things that you need to do to get what you say that you want. There you go. Which is what we ask of our kids all the time. Why aren't you doing this? Why can't you do this? Well, because they don't, maybe they don't really believe. Yep. The superintendent who took me said, you, you can do it. You need to be a superintendent. So there was two of the four right there. And, and that's all it took. And, and it's powerful. It is. It's super powerful. And then that last is emotions, right? Contextualizing emotions for people. Listen, it's okay to be frustrated. Being frustrated is part of the process. Yeah, you're going to have some tough times. Exactly. Sometimes I think people think that if it's hard, then that means I'm not good enough and I'm not going to accomplish it. But the reality of it is all good things come through struggle. Like, and if think about it just in nature, right? What do diamonds start out of? Coal. And they have to stay in that pressure long enough to become a diamond. Like the sharpest blade in the world, the katana blade, it has to be in fire to be hardened, right? Butterflies, They wrestle, they have to wrestle through a cocoon if they're going to get out and spread their wings. If you try to open a cocoon for a butterfly, they don't get the strength and they can never flap their wings enough and fly away and they wind up dying, right? Like if if we break people's struggle, they never become what they could be, but we have to let them know that it's okay and just just stay in it. And if you trust that process, man, something can come, but people need to know, you know? Yeah, and not give up. And not give up and not give up. Man, what an awesome conversation. I've got all sorts of adrenaline here and ideas of how to think about and apply these four things that we just talked about today. But Dr. Thompson, you know, we wrap up every podcast with some championship mindset training, things that people can do to build a mindset, right? A mindset is a patterned way of thinking. And there's so many people out there that have a mindset of disbelief in themselves, in their leaders, in their teams, in in our world, right? In our in in here our great country of the United States of America. Like we have 
have to believe that we can be a great team, a great school, a great city of South Bend, a great country of the United States of America, a great world together before we can ever manifest that into reality. So for our listeners today, what mindset training would you give us to build this element of belief in ourselves? I guess the advice I'd give folks is to never limit yourself. Uh, one thing I always say is limitations are set by the mind. And for us to be able to believe in ourselves and believe in each other uh, is, is so powerful. You know, the story I tell when we present is that the, the four-minute mile story. And back in the 1940s, 30s, 50s, they thought, they thought it was physically impossible for a person to run a four-minute mile. And then after, I think it was in 1950-something, this gentleman broke the four-minute mile barrier. Bannister. Yep. And then after that... And I may get my numbers wrong, but like in the next 12 to 18 months, 13 other people, something crazy like that, broke the barrier. Limitations are set by the mind. Well, that belief came from they saw another person that was a runner. I'm a runner. If he can do it, I can do it. So the advice I give folks is to never limit yourself. If it, you know, if you want to accomplish something, set your mind to it and go for it. And just have that faith in yourself and belief in yourself um, and do great things. Dr. Thompson, thank you so much for believing in the power of positive coaching, believing in the potential that is inside and often untapped and unlocked of kids, of adults, right? And committing your life to trying to unleash and unlock some of that. And uh, man, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I learned a ton today. Thank you for being with us. Again, if there's anything we can do for you at the Selking Performance Group, whether that's keynote speaking to your organization or training or coaching with one of our performance coaches on our staff, please reach out to me directly, Dr. Selking at selkingperformance.com. Dr. Thompson, is there any way people can get in touch with you or any social media handles that you want to share? Uh, I'm actually getting all that stuff switched over right now. So uh, if you if you Google Moberly School District, uh, my email on there and, and they can shoot me an email at any time and I'll do whatever I can do to help. Please follow us on all the social media platforms. We're on Twitter at Champ Mindsets, on Instagram at Selking Performance, on Facebook at Selking Performance Group. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You've been listening to Building Championship Mindsets, the podcast. This is your host, Dr. Amber Selking. And from the locker room to the boardroom, I just want to challenge you to continue building your championship mindset.